This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Good morning to everyone that's, that's here, and uh, I'd like to say how much I appreciate being able to come over this way and uh, see you all again and meet new faces, and, uh, and to be able to, to show you a few things in the scriptures that I've uh, that I've seen, that I've uh, kind of put together. It's not my words, this is God's words, but I've kind of compa- compacted it into a, to a sermon, to a lesson, to a study. And I hope that we leave here uh, more encouraged, more lifted up. Uh, years ago, uh, in the winter, uh, I used to go out in the snow a lot. And it used to snow a lot more back in the, when I was a kid, back a long time ago in the mid-90s. And, you know, so... You know, as a young fella, it got pretty deep. Uh, there was drifts and different stuff. We loved to sled. But one of the things I remember about growing up was a mom and dad had a wood stove, and we'd have to go out. It wasn't always a pretty day like this when we'd cut wood, but a lot of times it was in the wintertime in the snow, and, and we'd go and we'd cut wood, and dad would cut these big old trees down, and, and me and mom and my sister would be the ones to clear out all that brush, go haul it to the brush pile. But it would come to a point when we would uh, have to gather up that wood and then we'd have to carry it up the hill wherever the truck or tractor was and we'd throw it in there. It was a little, little guy, you know, I would have to follow my dad's steps in the snow to make it easier to walk, even though it was hard sometimes to follow in the stride that my dad walked. But I would try to follow at least the trail to get to the, to the truck or tractor where we was taking the wood. And it made it a little easier uh, to know where to go and what, because Dad would normally find all the holes and stuff and the rocks that, that was under the snow. But nonetheless, there was footprints to follow. There was a trail to follow to make it a little bit easier for me. Uh, sledding was the same way. Uh, it was all fun and, and good going down the hill on the sled, but coming back up. If you was the first one, it was hard to come up that hill because you didn't have anything to follow. You had to make your own little trail, but once you got a trail started, it was a lot easier. And we can all relate to sledding, or, or maybe we had an experience, you had an experience like I did, you know, hauling wood up the hill, or, or uh, maybe you was out uh, doing something in the snow, in a snowstorm, and you needed those footprints to, to guide your way. So we're going to try to apply that this morning to our spiritual life, and hopefully I can make the connection well enough to make it simple. Uh, but I want you, for a moment, to picture your life. Basically, if you was out in an open field like this right here, and snow was blowing, there was snow all over the ground, and you can hardly see in front of your face. The snow was coming down so hard. Then as you struggle to see where you was going to go in this big old field, you look down on the ground, and there's a footprint. Now that footprint could be a a panther footprint, it could be a bear, it could be a coyote, it could be a wolf, it could be a, anything like that. You know, if we seen a footprint in the snow like that, we probably, probably wouldn't follow it, or I wouldn't. But this footprint you see on the ground is, is a boot track. It's somebody's track that has went on before you in that snow. Well, if I seen a boot track, or if maybe somebody was brave enough to go barefoot and we seen a, a foot track, from a human, we would probably most likely follow after that 
boot track because we know it might lead to a, a cabin, a house, or the road, maybe get back to civilization somewhere. In your life today as a Christian, maybe you're going through this big field, maybe you're going through a snowstorm that you can't hardly see in front of your face, that things are just going completely wrong, it seems like maybe you're just completely just wore out and you're just looking for something in your life to help you along. And you look down and you look through the Scriptures, you go to the Bible, which is a, is a good place to go, obviously, that's the best place you can go, and you see this footprint. And maybe that footprint says compassion. Maybe you look through the Scriptures and you see the word compassion and you find Scriptures like 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. It says, Finally, be you of all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. You know, it's completely opposite of what the world shows us today, of what the Scripture teaches. You know, in the world today, we're to, to live our own life the way we want it, and if we knock somebody else down, don't worry about it, keep going. If they do something to us, we do it back to them even worse, pay them back. But God tells us, the Scriptures tells us, to be of one mind, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but have compassion. Show that love to one another especially those of us here in the church today. Don't be so quick to bite somebody back, but show compassion. That's what the Scriptures say. That's what that footprint says. Maybe you see 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, where it says, But whoso hath the, this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? If we see a brother or sister in Christ, or we see somebody out there that needs compassion showed to them, needs help, needs love showed to them, and we, we just completely shut off our care upon that person and say, well, they can just deal with it themselves. They can handle it themselves. And basically they're saying, we're, we don't care for those people. How can the love of God dwell in us if we're that way towards somebody else, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ? As we trudge on through the snow, we might find a footprint that says humility. We might find the scriptures where it tells us to be humble. Luke 14, verse 11 says, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So exaltation or exalteth just means lifting yourself up. Usually in, it means obviously results in pride or starts with pride, whatever. Pride causes us to be lifted up, lifts ourselves up. It says, Whosoever will lift yourself up or be prideful shall be abased or shall be humbled. And he that humbleth himself, God will exalt you, will lift you up. Maybe there's something that exalts you in your life. Maybe something in my life that exalts me. It could be something physical around us. Um, it could be something we own, something we do, something that we know. Maybe our knowledge lifts us up. Maybe it's knowledge in the world. Maybe we went to school. Maybe we got our degrees. Maybe we study the Bible a lot. Maybe we know a lot about the Scriptures. Maybe that lifts us up and exalts us. 
whatever we may exalt ourselves uh, with, God in due time will humble us. He has His ways of, of making us humble if we try to lift us, ourselves up in pride. But it's to those who are humble, those that put themselves under somebody else, above, below everybody else, especially, obviously especially God, it says God will exalt us. We shall be exalted. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all ye be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, or resists those that exalt themselves. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. Kind of says what we just read. But it tells us, Yea, all of you be subject one to another. We need to be humble under those that are around us. We need to put ourselves under those that are around us. No matter their position. You know, we don't have to be under our bosses at work just because they're our boss. Uh, we need to, if we're a boss, we need to place ourselves in a stance of we're humbling ourselves under our employees even. Still being that uh, physical uh, uh, leader that we need to be, but having the attitude of humility. Because pride will cause a lot of damage in your life if we let it run, run wild. We see another footprint that says righteousness. We find in the scriptures where God talks, or Paul talks to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, verses 11 and 12, it says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, Godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, which meekness there is gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hath professed a good profession before many witnesses. So we need to flee the sins that we have in our life. Flee away from those things. And it says, follow after righteousness. And that's the first thing he mentions. He mentions godliness and, and that faith and love that we need to have. Be patient. You know, fight that good fight that we were fighting for God in this battle. You know, fighting that good fight of faith, loving our brethren, uh, showing patience. You know, those things are only found after God. And those things are only found in God. That's how you follow after righteousness, by doing those right things that God wants us to do. But our, sometimes we want to follow after the, the bad things of this life. And it may not look bad at first, the things, the sins of this life and stuff, but it will lead to that. But we need to remember, as Christians, we need to follow after righteousness. Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, I naturally get hungry and thirsty when it comes to breakfast, lunch, and supper, or breakfast, dinner, supper, however you want to say it, we get naturally hungry at those times. And, and a lot of times maybe a snack in between breakfast and lunch and maybe lunch and supper, maybe a, a snack or two around midnight, I don't know. But when we get hungry, we eat. When we get thirsty, we drink, don't we? We need a thirst and hunger after righteousness. Hunger and thirst after God and what He wants for us what He tells us to do, 
the right things in life, the things that are only found in God. Too many times, myself at least, I can only speak for myself, that I hunger and thirst after physical things more than, than I do God a lot of times in this life. When we get away from our brothers and sisters in Christ, we go back to work, school, wherever we're at, we tend to let physical things in this life, and I'm not necessarily saying the physical things that are bad. I'm saying that just the physical things kind of, you know, maybe the cars or, or houses we live in or the jobs we have, we let those things kind of suffice our hunger and our thirst, so to speak, of what it's talking about here. But the thirst and hunger we need to thirst after and hunger after in a godly sense, is that righteousness. We need to hunger and thirst after God and, and what He wants for us in our life. And we see the footprint of impartiality or being impartial. James chapter 2, verse 8 through 9, it says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, <clears throat> you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. So we are told, we find in the Scriptures where we are to be impartial or not showing favoritism to one person over another, uh, to not have respect to persons as is put it here, but to love your neighbor as yourself. And it says if we commit, or we commit sin if we show respect to persons. Galatians 3 verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male or female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. So the way God looks at us, if we're in Christ, if we're in the church, if we're a Christian, He looks at all of us the same. Now there is male and there's female. There, there could be Jew. I mean, there could be Greek. There could be different races in the in the church. But God looks at us as one. He don't care if you're male or female. He don't care if you're a Jew or a Greek. He don't care if you're bond or free. He don't care who you are. If you obey Him and, and are in Him. That's what matters. And we need to view it the same way, and that's what he's telling us here, that we need to view everybody as the same in Christ Jesus. Be all, we're all one in Christ Jesus if we have obeyed. Next, see a footprint that says servant. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. says, For though I be free from all men, this is Paul speaking, Yet have I made myself a servant unto all that I might gain the more. Why do you think Paul was so... Uh, how he gained so many people, how he brought so many people to Christ, how, how he went to these people and he wrote these letters and, and so many people's lives are completely changed to the good because of Paul. Well, one of the ways he done it was, he said, even though I'm free from everybody, I'm not a slave, I'm not bond to anybody... I have made myself a servant unto all, that he might gain those people. So he made himself, he humbled himself, and he made himself a servant and served those around about him in such an ability that he would gain them for Christ. It wasn't to his credit, it was to bring them to Christ. That's the type of servant we are told to be, to, bring, to be able to bring others to Christ. And that's how we can be successful in bringing others to Christ, is to be that servant. Luke 12, verse 43, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, finds so doing. So we are told to be a servant. And if God was returning in this next hour, would he find us serving? If he came back next weekend, would he find us serving? If he came yesterday, would he find us serving? 
says, blessed is that servant when God returns, when He comes, will find being a servant. Maybe we find the footprint of, of a teacher. We're told in Matthew 28, and verse 19, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. This is the great commission that Christ gave to His disciples. He, he tells us we are to follow the same thing. We are going to teach all nations and baptize them. And not only teach at that point, but it says in verse 20, teaching them to observe. We don't need to leave them alone whenever they get baptized. We need to teach them to continue to observe those things that God tells them and tells me to do. The things in the Scriptures. Acts chapter 5, verse 42, And daily in the temple, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Even after Peter and the apostles here were told by the Pharisees not to, to teach and preach Jesus Christ, what they do? They taught and they preached Jesus Christ. Because there is no, should not be any human be, to be able to tell us to stop teaching and preaching Jesus Christ because that's what we're supposed to teach. And if somebody was to tell you to stop teaching about Christ, to stop teaching here in this place, to stop teaching at Aurora, wherever it might be, are we to listen to them? The answer is no. Because we're not, we are told by somebody higher than the authorities, we're told by somebody higher than anybody here on this earth that we are to teach Jesus Christ. And that's God. God tells us to be a teacher. And He tells us what to teach. And we need to do that. So, why should we have compassion? Why does the Scriptures tell us to be humble? Why does it tell us to be uh, follow after righteousness? Why do we need to be impartial? Why do we need to be a servant? Why do we need to teach? Well, the main reason, you know, we have compassion, we have humility, we have righteousness, impartial, servant, and a teacher. And that spells out Christ, don't it? As you see those footprints, and we get to looking in that snow and we in that storm of life, and we see those footprints, compassion defines Christ. Humility defines Christ. Righteousness defines Christ. Impartiality defines Christ. Being a servant defines Christ, and being a teacher defines Christ. And so we can be confident as we see those footprints, it's not going to be a bear and a, and a panther and a coyote. We're going to look at those footprints, these footprints here that we just looked at, and we're going to say that is Christ. That looks exactly like Christ. Let's follow after Him. 1 Peter chapter 2, and I apologize for this being so small. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that ye should follow His steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes were ye healed. For you were a sheep going astray, but now are returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. There's a few words there that we covered. And we have Christ said, being our example, that we should follow his steps. So Christ left us that example. 
that we are able to follow in His steps. And you know, like I said, my, my dad, he showed that path. Um, he led the way through that snow. And so I was willing to follow after those steps because I knew He'd been through there before. We should be willing as Christians to be able to follow Christ's footsteps, to follow His footprints through that snow, through that snowstorm, even if it leads to that mountain up there, that we can be confident in knowing that Christ will lead us to eternal life, will lead us through those things, and He'll give us the stuff necessary, the tools necessary, the things necessary to make it like we should. Because Christ has already walked through this storm. He has left those footprints. So let's look at the compassion of Christ. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We all know that the, the greatest act of compassion given by Christ was Him dying on the cross. He had compassion on you and I, on all of those that ever lived, that ever will live until the end of the world, the end of the time. He died for those people, for us. And so those, that compassion was showed there. Luke 23, verse 34, it says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. So after he had been uh, tormented and uh, beaten almost half to death or almost to death, after he had bore his cross up Calvary, after they drove the nails into him and hung him up around that cross, and as he is hanging there, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. For someone to have the right mindset to be that close to death and, and, having, and looking at those people that did it to him and looking up to his father and say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's true compassion right there. That's true love for you and I. That's showed to us by, by Jesus. And yes, we are to have that same compassion. Or at least try. We cannot get it down just exactly like Christ did because He was perfect. But we can follow His steps. We can follow His footprints. I couldn't step in the same steps as my dad going up that hill, carrying that wood. But I could follow after those steps because I knew it led to where it needed to go. We, we can't follow in the same stride as Christ, but we can try. We can follow that trail. We can follow His footprints. Christ had humility. Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Let us, this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, uh, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. Imagine the King of kings, the Lord of lords, humbling himself so much that he came to be our servant, to be humbled enough to die for us. That's what the scripture, these scriptures are talking about. He made himself a no reputation. He humbled himself even to the obedience of the death of the cross. Even when it came to obeying completely up to the death on the cross, he was willing to humble himself enough, even though he was king, to be able to die for you and I on that cross. John 6, verse 38 says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. 
Everything that Christ did here while He was on the earth was not pointed to Himself. He didn't want the credit for Himself. He was just doing what God told Him to do. And He returned the credit several times in the Scriptures we can read where Christ returned the credit to God. It wasn't about Christ. It was about fulfilling God's will that He was sent to do. We see, we see the righteousness of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, it says, But of Him are ye in Christ, in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So it's because of God that we are in Christ Jesus, because God adds us to the church. He, he adds us by, through when we are baptized. So He... We are in Christ because of, of God, but it says that by Christ, God made us to know wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We know we have those things right there because of Christ. But ultimately, it was started by God. It was ultimately come from God. And we see these things through Jesus Christ. We see this wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. And, and none of this is because of our own... Uh, what we have done. It says right there, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It's because God had done it. It's because Christ done it. And we need to glory in that fact. Give the glory to God because of their righteousness. First Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. This is talking about Christ. That's how He can become or be our righteousness because He was perfect. If you was imperfect, if you have sin, you can't be righteous. Christ uh, was righteous because he had no sin in his life. Neither was guile found in his mouth. Christ is impartial. Romans 2 verse 11, God is impartial. For there is no respect of persons with God, and that includes Christ. They don't favor uh, one person above another. Uh, obviously, certain conditions have to apply when we are obeying. Uh, we have to do exactly what they say, what God and Christ says. Um, but He offers that salvation. He offers the Word of God. He offers all those things to everybody. So we all have that opportunity. Christ In Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, it says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. For he that doeth wrong, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So if we follow after Christ, we serve Christ, we have that inheritance waiting on us in heaven. But he that doeth wrong will receive for the wrong which we have done. We'll get punished when this life is over. We, you know, we have the righteous judge that will make that decision. Thankfully. Uh, we don't have to make that decision for ourselves or anybody else because I know what I would probably do is all of y'all will be there in heaven. Everybody I come across will be in heaven because I want everybody in heaven. But God knows the hearts of those people He sees. He sees everybody. And He will um, reward each one as they have lived their life here on this earth and, and by the fruits that they show and they do and the works that they do and and the obedience that they have done. All those things come into play when, when it comes to, to this. But Christ and God is not respect of persons. They don't show 
uh, partiality. Um, that's kind of a big word for me. But um, Christ was a servant. And we see that. We read earlier in Philippians 2, verse 7. It says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. So, one of the things I'd like to look at real quick, just the next scripture, is one of the things that really stuck out to me when I was thinking about Christ and being a servant. I mean, there's a lot of things in the, in the Bible that talks about Christ as, you know, we can apply as Him being a servant. But one in particular case was in John 13, verse 12. So after He had washed their feet and had taken His garments and was set down again, He said unto them, Know you what I have done unto you? Or know you what I have done to you? Christ showed a, a true servant's heart by washing His disciples' feet. I, I've not washed that many feet. If all made my own sometimes, but I've never just walked up to somebody and said, "Hey, I'll wash your feet for you." And of course, that was um, custom a lot of times back then. I guess it more common maybe to wash your feet more because you you had dirtier feet back then because of your sandals you may have wore, or maybe you didn't have no shoes at all, and they walked everywhere they went. So feet were dirty back then and calloused. Toenails probably wasn't trimmed like they are today. If I didn't have toenail polish, I don't know. So your feet probably didn't look that great back then. But Christ sat down and He washed all His disciples' feet. Then no telling how dirty they were. But that didn't matter to Christ. He didn't care how dirty their feet was. He sat down and washed them. And He looks up at His disciples after He got done, after He dried them off, and He said, Know you what I've done unto you? So he asked them, do you know why I've done this? And you just see that big question mark above the disciples' head as, as they thought about that question. Do you know why Christ did that for, for His disciples? Why is this in the Scriptures? Why do we read it today? I think it's very, very simple. He had just served them. He had just become their servant. Or he, he was their servant, but He showed them a servant's heart. He showed them an example of what a, a servant needs to be, even if it came down to the washing of dirty, nasty feet. He wasn't above washing feet. Imagine for a moment, if you was back in that time, you were sitting there with Christ, you knowing who He was, you knowing Him as your Lord and your, as your King, He says, let me see your feet. I'll clean them up for you. My first reaction would probably be, no, you're not washing my feet. You're Christ. You're God. You, you're not going to stoop that low. He showed His disciples. He shows us the true heart of a servant. And not just there, but other places. And we need to serve God and our fellow man the same way. And David, if I, if I need my feet washed, I expect you to, to do that. But we need to have that servant's heart as Christ did. And all jokes aside, it may not be washing feet. Uh, it could just be taking somebody food. It could be uh, providing somebody with the means to get by. Um, you know, just bringing ourselves to that level and, and saying, everybody is above me, and I'll do my best to serve my fellow man. Christ was and is a teacher. 
John 3, verses 1 through 2, 1 and 2. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. Come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Some people just recognize Jesus as a carpenter's son, somebody just, you know, just common Joe out there. But there was one such guy here. He was a Pharisee. His name was Nicodemus. He came to, to, to Jesus by night and says, Rabbi. So he recognized him as, um, and he says, Thou art teacher, a teacher come from God. And then notice after he says Rabbi, he says, We know, we know. It wasn't just him, but it was other Pharisees he was around. Seeing Jesus, he recognized Jesus. They recognized Jesus as a teacher come from God. Not just a normal a school teacher or anything. It was a teacher come from God. So Nicodemus and these Pharisees had seen enough from, from Christ. They had been watching Jesus perform these miracles and teach people, and it struck a chord with this one in particular guy. And he, it caused him to come up to Christ and say, there's something about you. You're, you've come from God. You're a teacher of God. And we see these things. So Christ not only was known as a carpenter's son, but he was known to some people and a lot of people as a teacher. We see Mark chapter 4, verse 1, he says, "...and began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land." Now, a lot of these people were in it to get food and stuff, but there's a lot of people that wanted to hear Christ teach. And there's a lot of people here, that there were so many of them, that he had to get out in a boat and float out there a little ways and teach from the boat to all these people that were standing on the, on the shore. Mark 6, verse 34, And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and He began to teach them many things. So as Christ came out and seen these people, much people, and they was like sheep not having a shepherd, they was needing guidance, they was needing direction, and He had compassion on those people, and He began to teach them many things. And we need to be like Christ, you know, no matter the crowd size, it could be just, just be one person, one family. It could be in their home. It doesn't have to be in the pulpit like what we're doing today. It doesn't have to be any of that kind of stuff. But we need to teach. Whatever the circumstance is, we need to teach people about Christ. We need to have compassion on people. And that obviously brings it back to that compassion we talked about earlier. One of the ways we show compassion is by teaching people about Christ. That we don't want them to perish. We, we want them to be in heaven with us. So we teach them and share the gospel with them because they need Jesus. People need Jesus. There's a, a lot more footprints. We could probably follow these footprints, plumb up to the base of that mountain and over if we wanted to. But we don't have time to do that this morning. Uh, this is just a few that he leaves behind uh, for us to follow. So what are you going to do? You can only answer this for yourself. What are you going to do when the snowstorms of life hit you? Maybe they are already. Uh, maybe you're having a, a time seeing through that snow. Maybe you can't see what's in front of you. What are you going to do? I encourage you to do what Luke 9 verse 23 says. If any of you will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. If, there, if there's a storm you're facing right now, remember to put yourself last. 
to make sure that you follow Christ. Don't don't try to go your own path. Um, don't and definitely don't follow those bear tracks and and those cougar tracks. But follow after Christ. Follow after those um, tracks that you know leads to life. This morning, as you think about your life and you're in your snowstorm, maybe you're not. I don't know. I know, don't, don't know your heart. Don't know what you're facing right now. I know what some of y'all are facing right now. But maybe whatever your case is this morning, maybe you have need of prayer this morning. And maybe you're having trouble seeing those footprints. You need our help. You need the church's help to pray for you that snowstorm will clear up a little bit where you can see those footprints. Because we all, we all face that sometimes. Now and again, I face it a lot. Just, just losing focus, losing track in life, getting off course, slipping down in that snow, falling down. It's easy to fall in the snow, you know that. Maybe you're just kind of confused. Maybe you're just kind of wondering there for a little bit and you need to get back on the right track. We can help you do that. We can pray for you. But you got to be willing to get back on track. You've got to be willing to follow those tracks once again. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't obeyed the gospel. I don't, I don't know you, your heart. Uh, maybe you need to obey the gospel this morning. Maybe you want to start the walk with Christ. Maybe you want to start following His footsteps. First, you've, you've got to hear the Word of God. That's where you, you start. Um, we can't do anything else any of us can't start a walk or anything with Christ until we first hear the Word. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So we have to take heed to the doctrine, to what, to what we hear from the Scriptures first. And then as we teach others, they will hear that. And as they hear, they'll know what they need to do to be saved. But we, we can't do that. Others can't do that unless they first hear. We've we got to believe. Acts 16, verse 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Uh, Paul and Silas told the jailer here that you need to believe and you'll be saved. Salvation um, will not come to you unless you believe. Salvation won't come to you unless you first hear. It won't come to you unless you believe. You got to repent. Luke 13, verse 3, I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We have got to want to turn from our old ways to start walking to God, to, and that's repentance. Otherwise, we'll perish. So, in order to have salvation, we got to repent, don't we? In order to be saved, we got to repent. We got to confess. Romans 10, verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, we got to confess, Jesus with our mouth for salvation. And lastly, we've got to be baptized. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, The like figure wherein to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it compares to Noah um, in the water that washed away that, that sin, that evil back then. is the same as the baptism washes away the sins in our life. It's not, the, it's not getting a bath, uh, but God does the work. He washes your sins away through baptism. 
And you put to death the old manner of sin. And we find that. We're not going to read it, but we find it in Romans chapter 6. The first six, seven verses talks about in like manner as Christ died on the cross and was buried in that tomb and rose again the third day. We were buried in that water gave a baptism. We put the old man to, to death, that sin to death. We put it away. We're buried in that water grave of baptism. We rise to walk in new life as a new man or a woman. So if you have need of prayer this morning or if you have need of obeying the gospel, I encourage you to do that today before it's too late. And you have my thoughts this morning, and I hope something that was said um, would uh, encourage you to do that, to, to start following those footprints, and to keep following the footprints, even if it gets to that mountain, because God will lead you through that. Uh, if you have any need this morning, please come while we stand, while we sing. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.